Welcome to a bonus edition of the Talent Economy Podcast, where we will hear firsthand from families, educators, executives, and more about their experiences in embracing remote work in their daily lives. Everyone's in this together right now, and it's, it's a weird spot to be in. We still need to hire people. We still need to bring folks in. And how do we do that when we can't actually use our traditional channels? Dad's on a call, and friend are here, we can't go upstairs. A lot of companies have face-to-face video cameras. We don't have a lot of that, so it becomes a little more challenging working in a virtual environment. In many ways, it feels like we blinked, and suddenly the future of work is now. What happens when people have to suddenly work virtually? How quickly can they adapt? And what is the long-term impact on the way they work and live? These stories will help us understand how the current environment will create a new normal in the way we get work done. My name is Jennifer Kalal, and I am a program manager over at Amazon. I work in our recruiting department. And so I manage recruiting capacity, kind of figuring out how many people we need to hire, where we're going to hire them, and then how many recruiters we would need in order to deliver on that number of headcount. Wow. And, And just to be clear, you're in Seattle. So you're at the Amazon headquarters. I imagine one of the most challenging places to be right now is in human capital and trying to move people around and recruiting. Absolutely. So we've been having challenges for the last few weeks, even before our company asked for all of us to start working remotely. We actually switched to remote interviewing about three weeks ago. And so that's had some pretty big downstream effects from recruiting coordinators having to reschedule all of the interviews to now being virtual developers trying to figure out how do I share my code on a screen. And so it's been a very interesting experience just being in the recruiting side of things. We still need to hire people. We still need to bring folks in. And how do we do that when we can't actually use our traditional channels? Well, before we get into the specific changes that happened over the past three weeks, tell me a little bit about the Amazon culture. And when I say culture, how is technology used? How does information flow? How does business get done at Amazon and and more locally with your team? Yeah, absolutely. So my team is a little unique in that Amazon has, over the last few years, as Seattle has become such a challenging place to hire, has become more distributed. And so out of my team itself, there's about a third that actually work outside of Seattle. So we've gotten pretty good at understanding time zone differences, at understanding how to collaborate with each other, and how to do some of our working remotely. However, it's also been a big focus for us to make sure that folks that are remote feel included. And so there's been a lot of training on how do we host inclusive meetings? How do we think about making sure that we aren't scheduling someone on the East Coast at 7 o'clock their time? And so a lot of information ends up getting stored in shareable places because we aren't all in the same place at the same time. We utilize a lot of internal Amazon properties. We have a program called Amazon Work Docs, which is really similar to OneDrive that Microsoft has. And so we'll, we'll share a lot of documents out on sites like that. We have an internal system called Chime, which is really similar to Skype. And so we use that for video conferencing and screen sharing and all of those kinds of things. So we have ways to do it. And we've definitely gotten better about it, I think, because we are such a broad distributed company. I have a lot of counterparts that are global. And so I am constantly on calls early morning, late at night, that kind of thing. So we've, we've got the basis for it. We've just never been forced into it.
What's been the biggest change now that, you know, I forgot how many people work in downtown Seattle, but it's not a small number of people. And now all of those 58,000, how many 58,000, you know, (laughs) 58,000 people that are now working fully distributed. You know, I know part of your team is global and and you work Mm -hmm. remotely, but what's been the biggest change now that everybody's suddenly remote? So a couple things. One, when you work close with your teammates in a particular area, you get a lot of things done just on the fly. So what I mean by that is I actually sit next to my manager. And so there will be times where I'll give him a quick update on a meeting I just had. And I'll just pop into his office, stick my head in and say, hey, I just met with so-and-so. Here was the outcome of that. Nothing for you to do. Just wanted to let you know. And then I'm out. It takes 15 seconds. It's over and done. When you aren't in the office in that type of environment, you're now having to construct an email that is very detailed that you normally would have just delivered as a quick 15-minute walking by someone's space. And now you're actually having to construct it so that they understand all the context that you normally would have given just by saying, oh, I was in this meeting and this happened. So you're writing more emails. You're also having to have more meetings with your direct reports. So I have a team of folks that work for me. And normally I meet with them for about a half hour every week, one-on-one. But when we're in this period of time where I'm not seeing them every day or I'm not having regular team meetings or things like that, you now have to insert that in. And so I'm meeting with them now two to three times a week for extended periods of time because we don't have that natural period of time where we might just connect with each other, where we quickly see each other in the hallway or things like that. And so that then adds into the number of overall meetings that you're having to schedule. The other thing that I've noticed just from a tech standpoint is that now that we're all virtual, a lot of systems that we use, such as virtual private networks and things like that, they just get slower, right? Like Amazon's doing a really good job of trying to scale and making sure that we all have the tech that we need. But there are definite times where you can tell at 9am when everyone's logging in for the first time, right? Like to get onto some of our internal systems and tools, you hit refresh and refresh and refresh. I've noticed that in my neighborhood where it used to be I had fast internet during the day. And now I try to do an upload at the same time of, of doing some other stuff and the world is just much slower. Yeah, exactly. The other thing I've noticed as well is that not everybody has the same connection that I have. And so while I can have a video chat with somebody for a two o'clock meeting, my 2.30 meeting, they don't have the internet bandwidth. And so they can't actually have that video experience with me or we'll have a mass of people on a phone call. And normally 10 or 12 people would be in a meeting. Now all 10 or 12 of us are trying to have a video call. Half of them can't connect the right way. The other half have an echo, right? And so there's this <laughs> this process of trying to run a meeting. It, it means that then the meeting starts late which then backs everything else up. And I'm finding that so many more of my meetings right now are starting five to 10 minutes late and then running over into the next meeting. And so all day long, I've been trying to build in buffers for myself to try and get my schedule back on track. And just little things like going to the bathroom or... (laughs) You 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 now need to schedule getting up. I I know my wife uh, who works at Microsoft just started working from home. and, And the first two days were 
really challenging. But now she's built in like, I'm going to go for a walk time or I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, do this. And where before mm-hmm. she didn't block that time because everybody just assumed you, you had the time or you were in between yeah. meetings and, and you, you took care of those things. What would you say your your main learning is in, I guess, week two of being suddenly remote? What's the one thing that's like, wow, I I wouldn't have assumed this. And it's one of the things I learned. It's interesting for me because I actually work from home one day a week. So I work from home on Wednesdays and I've been doing that for the better part of five or six years. So I have a bit of a space in my home in order to do my work. However, I find that it is difficult to separate home from work. When you are at work, you are at work. And so it is very easy to ignore that pile of laundry or ignore the three bills that you were supposed to pay. And so what I've been trying to figure out is if it normally takes me 45 minutes total to commute, right? If I figure it takes me about 20 minutes in the morning, 25 minutes to come home, I've actually been telling myself, okay, I'm going to carve out those 45 minutes that I normally would have been commuting. I'm going to work on my home. I'm going to take 20 minutes in the morning and I'm going to do that laundry so that it's not grating on me or I'm going to fix that thing I've been trying to fix because I figure at the end of the day, my work day has still amounted to the same amount of time. I'm just allocating it a little bit differently because otherwise you sit around and you look at all these things that need to be fixed. I've talked to so many people (laughs) who have said, God, I need to repaint my office or I have to go and actually get a monitor, right? Because you don't, you don't normally think about it in those ways when you work from home one day a week or rarely. You don't think, I need a comfortable desk chair. That's something I'm going to be doing tomorrow is actually going into my office in Seattle and grabbing my desk chair because I can't actually... I, I normally have an ergonomic setup. I can't have that at home. I don't have the space for that. And so I think that that's one of the things that I've slowly been learning is how to make sure that the term work-life balance becomes even more important when your life is surrounded by you at work. (laughs) And then when you add in the kids piece, I think is going to be even more critical to really think about how do I manage my schedule and how do I make sure that I'm being very transparent with my team. And so one of the things that I have done is... I actually shared my work calendar with my manager and then my direct reports. And then they can actually see, okay, Jen's at lunch right now because I'm putting it on my calendar. Or Jen's taking the dog for a walk or Jen is doing XYZ. So they know where I am because then they're not sending me emails or sending me instant messages to say, hey, quick question, because I'm not there. And then I'm not feeling stressed out by seeing all of those IMs coming through while I'm trying to take 20 minutes and have a nice little lunch for myself or whatever that case may be. One of the things that people talk about when they start working remotely is isolation social aspect of going to work and seeing everybody and, hey, where are we going to lunch or let's grab coffee. Have you in the past couple of weeks noticed that? Is it something that you're proactively working through? How is that isolation aspect? It's interesting for me because I'm naturally an introverted person. And so it was a little surprising to see that I was actually missing human interaction. I've always enjoyed my work. I've always enjoyed the people that I work with because typically I work with individuals that are fairly similar to myself. And so I have been trying to figure out ways to make sure that I'm connecting with people that I work with and then people that are also around me naturally. So 
individuals that are in my neighborhood or individuals that maybe I don't get to talk to all the time. My sister and I now have kind of a standing call with each other because we don't talk that often. But now we're both in this position where we just want to have some like an adult conversation because it does get pretty lonely. And it's cheesy to say, but I have NPR on all day. And so I feel like I have somebody talking in the background all the time. So it's kind of that buzz that you would normally hear in an office environment. I've never been one in an office to wear noise canceling headphones because I actually don't mind the kind of the white noise of people around me. But I'm definitely finding that the conversations on instant messenger are increasing in frequency, meaning I think people are really starting to get antsy and miss each other. Yeah, I think you I think you invented maybe a new product where we take an audio that somebody can play of like an office environment where they ask you a personal <laughs> question. I, I, I would be surprised if Amazon is not thinking about that and Alexa will now have an office mode. Help me understand three pieces of advice that you would give to others who are in a position of being suddenly remote. I think the first one is just take a minute, step back and get yourself in the right mental headspace. Because usually if you find yourself working remotely instantly or for some emergency like we're in right now, there are a lot of other stressful things going on. And so this just compounds on that stress. And so you really just have to figure out for yourself, what do I need in order to make sure that I am okay and that I am feeling good about it? Because if you don't take care of yourself, then you actually can't do any of the other things work will start to suffer, your family will start to suffer. And so that's part of the reason why I've been trying to work a little bit on how do I get things set up for myself in preparation for other things that we know are coming around. I think that I try to have more empathy right now because I know that there are a lot of people who are in very different situations than I am. I work with a lot of younger folks who don't necessarily have internet connections yet. They just graduated from college and they've never needed one. And so, you know, the idea of having to work from home from them is extremely scary because they don't know how to do that. And so sometimes we take things like Wi-Fi and laptops for granted. And so I've been trying to have a lot more empathy for other people that I work with that it's not as easy for them. And then the third is really, it's, it's opened my eyes to those individuals who do work remotely for our company permanently and how it must feel for them when we've got this entire group of people that sit in one place and get to be with each other all the time. And so that's been an interesting experience as well. So I think really it comes down to understanding that this is a change how do you handle change and then just cutting yourself some slack? Don't don't worry as much. Yeah. Hey, Jen, thanks so much for taking some time today. I think yeah. the, the insights that you provided are, are both timely and very helpful as everyone tries to figure out what it means to be suddenly remote. Thanks again. Thank you. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to this bonus edition of the Talent Economy Podcast exploring real stories from real people during this time of unprecedented change. You can hear more insights by subscribing to our podcast or checking out the website, staffing.com, where you can sign up for the weekly newsletter. If you or someone you know would like to share their remote work story, please send me an email at editor at staffing.com. We want to hear from you. 